Welcome to Psyched Tea. I'm your host, Johanna Moreno, licensed marriage and family therapist. Follow me as I chat with other mental health professionals and discuss therapy, pop culture, media, and everything in between, but with a psychoeducational twist. Welcome back to Psyched Tea. My name is Johanna Moreno, licensed marriage and family therapist. And for today's podcast, we will be talking about psychopaths. So in order for us to talk about this, I have the amazing Dr. Alma. Welcome back, Dr. Alma. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to be here about one of the scariest topics. I started watching that Netflix Dahmer thing. Yes. And I couldn't after episode two. I couldn't. Really? I saw that little 14-year-old boy, his first, Mm -hmm. not to do any spoilers, but the first victim. Mm -mm. I had to turn it off. Yeah. My daughter's like into it. She loves it. So we will be getting into, um, well, just to let everybody know, this is a two-part series. In the first part, we will be discussing and dissecting what is a psychopath and a sociopath. And in the second episode, we will be discussing some of America's most famous psychopaths. Scary. (laughs) And this is all to kick off the most amazing month of the whole year, October, spooky season. Mm. So I am so excited. This is going to be awesome. I know. It's your month. I know. I thought of you. Guess what I saw? What? I saw those black weenies. Frankfurt's Uh hot dogs. They're black. They're called something. The dachshunds? No. They're to eat. The hot dogs are (laughs) in color black. They have black hot dogs? Yeah. I was going to buy it for you. Wrap it up for your birthday. (laughs) Seriously. They have black hot dogs? I can't believe it. Where? It's for Halloween. It's all over the place. I went and I saw it. It's like, oh. I don't think I could eat that. Oh, seriously. So I'm glad I didn't get it for you then. I mean, eating a black hot dog, that's weird. Okay, that was part of Halloween, but it's okay to have the <laughs> the scary stuff that I, I think it would gross me out. I don't okay. think I'd be able to Okay. But thank you, though. That's no, awesome. I thought of you. Yeah. Well, I didn't wrap it up. <laughs> and say boo. <laughs> <laughs> you're done. Um, okay, awesome. So let's get into okay, let's it. Let's get into it. So psychopaths dr Um, emma tell um, me about them one of the things that i worry about when we start making terms of psychopath and sociopath Mm -hmm. and something that you started with was the dsm-5 yes correct um term and so go ahead and let's discuss that first and then we can go with the layman's term because Mm -hmm. it's more you know sensationalized psychopath yes so psychopaths and sociopaths have been very um become a part of pop culture Mm -hmm. and i think people have a really um different understanding of what a true psychopath or true sociopath are Uh, one of the things i definitely want to clear up is what that means the diagnostic and statistical manual of mental disorders which is um our holy bible that we kind of talked about in our first episode with jennifer the dsm it has five editions in the first three editions they actually did put psychopath and sociopath in their diagnosings um they eventually decided not to keep it on there because it was being negatively stigmatized um and it just had like a really negative connotation to it so they decided to take it off and characterize these two components into what is now known as antisocial personality disorder right so what is antisocial personality disorder? Well, 
it's those individuals they are so unemotional they're callous yes um they can be impulsive and they're just uh, very they have this motive right that's how callous they are it's unemotionally yeah. just separate it um even when I was looking at the YouTube videos of Jeffrey Dahmer, mm -hmm. he was very cold, very matter of fact about, yeah, eat his heart. Yeah. And I was just like, I, I can't. Yeah. So per the DSM, some common signs of someone who has antisocial personality disorder is behaviors that conflict with social norms. Mm hmm disregard or violating the rights of others, mm -hmm. inability to distinguish between right and wrong, difficulty with showing remorse or empathy, tendency to lie often, manipulating and hurting others, reoccurring problems with the law, general disregard towards safety and responsibility, and expressing anger and arrogance on a regular basis. Jeffrey Dahmer, indeed. That lack of empathy for somebody mm -hmm. else that um, and you just talked about disregard of um, somebody's well-being the emotion of others and then it, it impacted his ability to socially connect with people and that's yeah. all of them right that are diagnosed yeah. as so that. one of the things is too that i think the general population have a tendency to think that antisocial means oh i don't have social skills which is completely wrong mm -hmm. having no social skills is not being antisocial. Once you're characterized as an antisocial, it's one of these categories, right? Lack of empathy, very aggressive, um, not going along with social norms. Um, that is a true antisocial person. So when someone says, oh, I just can't talk with other people. I don't have those. No, that's, that's thank you for clarifying that. Absolutely. Um, and then just kind of, again, clarify what antisocial personality disorder really is. Because, again, a lot of people, and, and I think in our society, have a tendency to believe that if I don't have, um, if I don't talk to somebody, if I get nervous in front of somebody, then I must be antisocial. No, you just have, you know, social anxiety or, or whatnot, but that does not classify you as antisocial. I just kind of want to put that out there, that antisocial goes along with being a psychopath and a sociopath does that make sense that makes sense you're saying they could be intelligent they could be charming and uh, they could be pretending to be interested in the other person but they don't give yeah so a true antisocial they don't care definitely yeah so psychopaths are just they're 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 calculative though yeah I, I, right they're they're planning mm -hmm. they're strategizing I think that's why we psychoeducate them on little things, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, definitely. So one of the things, again, for antisocial, I kind of went over briefly some of their core um, characteristics. In order for someone to receive an antisocial personality disorder diagnosis, mm -hmm. a person must show a pattern of disregard for and violation of the rights of others. This is indicated by three or more of the following criteria per the DSM. So failure to conform to social norms concerning lawful behaviors such as performing acts that are ground for arrest. So, okay. So when they start young, right? So these kids that, I don't care, I'm going to do what I want to do. There's a difference with them not being trainable or they're not there to learn, mm -hmm. right? They keep going against the norms for yeah. little behaviors like at school, which become bigger, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and and uh, intensifies into negative behavior. Yes. Yes. Um, deceitfulness, repeated lying, use of aliases, or conning other people for pleasure or personal profit. Yeah. But then some kids, I mean, there's always that fine line, right, with kids. Because, okay, you're antisocial because you con me out of this and that, right? <laughs> we don't want to do that. So this is when they do this for how long, though? The DSM says it for how long period of time. So I'm glad you brought that up because right before you hit antisocial. So in order for you to get a diagnosis of antisocial, you have to be at least 18. That's right. And no but younger than? 15. Right. Yes. So the thing is that there's a precursor to that, right? And that is conduct disorder. That's right. So <laughs> conduct disorder, again, is like the precursor to antisocial. Again, you're doing all these behaviors hurting animals mm. um having the disregard for other people being aggressive not thinking before you act all these behaviors kind of lead up to getting that diagnosis of antisocial right and we're not going to talk about conduct but that's another dsm oh that's a different with another criteria yes and age and uh, frequency and length and blah 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 yeah, so because of the true antisocial personality disorder diagnosis is typically delayed until the age of 18, adolescents and teens who display similar symptoms are often evaluated for conduct disorder or oppositional. Obviously, conduct disorder is way more severe than um, oppositional. But they are, they are indicators, right? Oh, yeah. When they're indicators that way, um, let's watch them, let's monitor them. And let's ensure that um, we want, when they're in trouble at school or detentions, they've decreased, not increased. Yes. Yes. So do they I, have an IEP? Do they have good grades? How are they at home? Do they have a family dog? Do they hurt the dog? Yes. There's all these questions that we ask. But that's the thing where people just generalize what psych psychopathology is and psychopaths. And um, then they say, oh, then you're a sociopath. So I know you're going to talk more about that. But then I always look at them like, okay, you're making this generalization on something that's they're, they're kind of not similar, but they're kind they, yeah. of in the same of a, of a disorder yeah. personality. Um, so the next one here on the list as an indicator is impulsive or failure to plan so that goes opposite than what we were talking about which they're calculating so some are so we will get into that okay so yeah i don't want to get into it too too much but put it i gotta be the devil's pin, advocate here and, and get the yeah get us thinking um irritability and aggressiveness often with physical fights or assaults Right. And I think that kind of goes along with being impulsive. You're not thinking and you're so you're just, just react. You, yeah, you get mad and you start reacting. I like that. Uh, reckless disregard for the safety of self or others. Okay. Putting them themselves in situations that other people wouldn't normally do. Dangerous situations. Sure. Putting others in those situations without them caring. So if me bringing a dead body in the house would be yeah. not caring for others. Yeah. In that, I mean, if you saw the rest of the Dahmer show, which we will get into, um, yeah, he's killing hey. people in grandma's basement, so he doesn't oh, care about grandma. Oh my gosh, okay. Um, consistent irresponsibility, failure to sustain consistent work behaviors, or honor monetary obligations. Because they're bored. They're bored with the, the, yeah. the, the mundane 
which is what we do, right? We get up, we go to work, we do the same activity, and it's boring. Yeah, and that goes back to the lack of social norms, right? We as people know, I have to get up at 7 o'clock to be at work at 8.30 because I need to go make money and I got to pay bills. They don't care about none of that stuff. They just kind of, they live in the moment. They're very in the moment. They really don't, again, very impulsive. They don't plan ahead. I need to save this money for my trip next year. Yeah, no. They're just very much like doing whatever they want so those are the indicators that one it, more oh there's one, one more i forgot what is it a lack of remorse being indifferent to or rationalizing having hurt mistreated or stolen from another person so i killed i don't care i killed i got I, my own pleasure i killed billy bob and that heart tasted pretty darn good <laughs> so not to make light of it no yeah but that's what it was right like yeah 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 so that it served my purpose so in order for you to get a true diagnosis you again you have to have met um three or more of the following criteria and for how long a pervasive pattern of disregard for and violating the rights of others occurring since age 15 as indicated by any of the three so we just kind of went with those to get that diagnosis you have to be at least 18 um but these behaviors must have been there before or since the age of 15. so they don't say it doesn't say there how long they're supposed to have it like for a year the onset or six is months. 15. that's it okay so i guess well and i guess it makes sense though right because if you kind of think about it back to conduct disorder the conduct goes up to before you're 18. so that makes sense right if you're a true conduct disorder again that's a precursor to being antisocial okay so for let's, adolescence. Say I, let's say i go and see you yeah all right and and we've come up with three of them and i said it just happened one time ah well then i would continue to evaluate the person i think myself so again it could be like jeffrey dahmer's that he it's a normal teen behavior right he's oblivious to what his son is doing right um i'd be but if i came to you and i said hey i've been doing this since age 10 and i'm 15 so he's been doing it for so many years. I would have given him a true conduct. Yeah. True course. conduct and continued monitoring him until he's 18. Then I would up that to antisocial. Love it. Myself. Love, it. Love the answer. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. So that is antisocial. Um, there is, has been a few, a lot, but in scientific terms, a few research studies mm-hmm. that suggest or believe that a true antisocial personality disorder may be due to a combination of environmental and genetic factors. Environmental, yes. Genetic, hmm. Yeah. And it kind of leads me into some of the research that I did for psychopaths and sociopaths. So for... If what? I were to look at genetics, I would look at the brain imaging of them. Yeah, there has to, I mean, in right? order for your brain to be underdeveloped, there has to be some sort of genetic factor I in I like there. that. So, therefore, you're saying that the emotion part of the brain, which is the amygdala, yeah. a little bit of the hippocampus, um, would it, would be probably smaller. Underdeveloped, definitely. Underdeveloped, yeah. yeah. That would be interesting to, to, I should have done some research on that. I did some research uh, on it. That's great. Love I it. did. I did. So, when I did the the research for this podcast, I read. I I mean, I have like over ten 
different things that I was going over. But it was just so interesting because I was like, I never really thought of a psychopath or a sociopath being either genetically or I always kind of thought it was more environmental, to be honest. But after reading the research, I was like, well, it does make sense, right? If the hippocampus and the amygdala is a lot smaller than what the average person would be. Yeah. But then you would have to ask, why would it be smaller? It's genetic. I get that. But then what, what is it? Was the alcoholism? Was it the lower socioeconomical where you're not getting? I mean, we're getting to other stuff that I can't even tell you about those in- risk factor indicators. So you know what I found out? What did you find out? <gasps> so I found out that there is a very strong linkage to the genetic wise for psychopaths that says that one of your parents has psychopathic tendencies, which makes you more likely to have these psychopathic tendencies. So therefore, okay. So going back to the genetic factor. So therefore, the small brain transferred to the other small brain, or because of the chemical levels were so low from the dad I think that genetically it just mutated into what what they would call the alleles. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, yeah. now it's coming all back to me. So the alleles then would have been changed. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So. Kind of in an inmate when I read it, it made me think going back to the Dahmer uh show. And I'm sorry that you didn't watch it, you need to go back to watching oh. it. There was a part where the dad, Jeffrey Dahmer's dad, is telling the kid Dahmer that he feels like it was his fault, or what was he telling his wife? I don't remember. He was telling somebody. And he was saying that he as well had these thoughts, these thoughts of killing and these thoughts of doing these things. But the only difference was that he never went through with them. But he too had these urges and these feelings. That's very interesting. Which goes back to the the genetic factor. You know, and the dad, he was able to at least self-control. But in Dahmer's case... It was a lot more prone, and I guess a lot. He wasn't able to kind of control him, his his urges. So let's say that he had those urges as a young kid, but then if the mom and dad would have nurtured him appropriately, yeah, he could have been veered towards. No, I'm not going to kill. Right? No, I'm not going to calculate and kill Jimmy Bob and Billy Bob and. Yeah. So. Oh. Interesting. So kind of going back to sociopath and psychopath, yes. there is no true DSM-5 diagnosis for it, right? Those are more terms that we as culture, um, pop culture has created yes. and have continued. Um, but again, the precursor is the antisocial. But there are some differences between both psychopath and a sociopath. Uh, sociopath, that was a term that was used... Um, between 1920 to 1950 it was the age of behaviorism interesting so um but now they stopped using that term Mm -hmm. and then um decades ago so just for the sense of that it was pretty much like you said that dsm just put it all together to make it more clinical and more scientific but the difference would be that the sociopath they're not gonna they're gonna blame others they're not gonna play with the play along with them and they they always have excuses for the behavior 
and they're more like the hotheads versus sociopath uh, psychopaths yes. are more cold-hearted yes you see so that's how i i can differentiate between those two when we're talking about it see this this i gotta tell you this i think the reason why i wasn't really researching it because it's scary on how dark a human being can be whether it's genetic or environmental how dark yes. it, and it, it it makes me nervous not that i am by any ways <laughs> but that you think like gosh because we all have those little slight thoughts, right? Gosh, oh, I yeah. wish I could just slam that. And you kind of think, whoa, 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 whoa. Come on, Alma. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. And so I thought when I'm reading this, I was like, man, I could have I been one if I really... <laughs> right? You think? No, think about it. Think about it. We could, if we choose, it's a choice to me, if we choose to do that, it could go really dark. Yeah. And it's scary when I'm he hearing our clients, our patients talk to us and they, the stuff that they say. And I think to myself, well, yeah, I've had fleeting thoughts, but and I thought, what, it, what would have happened? But I think that's the difference, though. You have self-restraints and you know that what you're doing is wrong compared to these individuals who don't know what they're doing is wrong. They don't have the sense of right and wrongness. Yeah, that's true. You and I do. So now if you went, I think... It would be way worse if I were like, yeah, I know this is wrong, but I'm still going to do it. Because I don't give a shit. Yeah. These people no. were just like, I, it felt good. And, oh. I, and I felt yeah, no. like I needed to do this. This is, that's completely different between saying like, I know I can go to jail and I'm making the decision to go to jail because I'm going to kill this person. Compared to like, I just did it because it felt good. And I, this is something that I needed to do. So please, people who are listening, yes, we have those thoughts. They're fleeting. Yes. But it's normal to have it's normal. some of these thoughts. Don't act on them because that's, yeah. that's bad. That is bad. It's immoral and it's illegal and it's against the law and so many things. But true. Right? Sociopath or psychopath would Both. not care. Yeah. So. Okay. Thanks for making me feel better. <laughs> um. So, before I get into each one and the characteristics, a psychopath is likely the more dangerous disorder because they experience a lot less guilt connected to their actions. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Instead of asking, should I? Wait, what? Did you just say? And then they start. Have you ever had a, a psychopathic child? Like a client? Like a client? Like somebody who has conduct disorder? Hmm. I've had some, but... Mm. A true conduct. So some of the clients, and I think you have, because some of the clients just kick the dog. They keep kicking it. Then they pinch them. Then they upset the fires, which is... Yeah. Right? I'm trying to think if I've ever really had a true conduct, though. Like a true, true conduct. I've always had it unspecified. Exactly. Which is like, mm, you're kind of a little there. bad. You're not, a bad kid, but. Not sure. You could be the dumber of the future, yeah. but let's work on this. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I don't think, uh, but I don't think I ha I've had like a true, true, like, this is, I'm worried about your future type I think child. our colleague, Jennifer Rios, LMFT, has. Really? Yeah, we have to talk to her tomorrow and ask her. <gasps> we should have brought her to this We podcast. should have. She gave some good insight when I spoke to her. She's, I'm telling you, highly intelligent, just like you, and more so, um, way beyond 
when we talked to her and talked to you and Angelica. But I got to say, um, she gave some nice insight that I'm hoping that you and I touch on later on. Yes. 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 Let's talk about these hotheads. <laughs> so, <laughs> treats of a psychopath. So, psychology researchers generally believe that psychopaths tend to be born, going back to those genetic factors. Okay. <laughs> It's likely a genetic predisposition. Okay, predisposition. Good. While sociopaths tend to be made by their environment. Which is not to say that psychopaths may not also suffer from some sort of childhood trauma, though. Mm-hmm. Um, psychopaths might be related to physiological brain differences. So we kind of just talked about that. Research has shown psychopaths have underdeveloped components of the brain commonly thought to be responsible for emotional regulation and impulses, which goes back to the hippocampus and the amygdala. Amygdala, absolutely. Yeah. Psychopaths in general have a hard time forming real emotional attachments with others. Instead, they form artificial, shallow relationships designed to be manipulated Hmm. in a way that most benefit the psychopath. People are seen as pawns to be used to forward the psychopath's goal. Psychopaths rarely feel guilty regardless of any of their behaviors, no matter how much they hurt the other person. Psychopaths can often be seen by others as being charming and trustworthy, holding steady, normal jobs. Some even have families and seemingly loving relationship with a partner. While they tend to be well-educated, they also have earned a great deal on their own. Wow, that's a scary, that's really scary. So some of the traits that they um, typically have is like they pretend to care for somebody else because they really don't know what that is or that feeling of actually truly caring for someone. So they pretend. So they're mimicking emotions. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, They display cold-hearted behaviors, Mm -hmm. fail to recognize other people's distress. That would bother me. You're hurting my feelings right now. What are you talking about? I am. Have relationships that are shallow and fake. Again, because they don't know real love or real feelings or or, or true feelings, I guess. Um, Maintain a normal life as a cover for criminal activity. Pretending to go to work. Pretending to, to do things. Even though they really don't care for the job. Wow. Right? Uh, fail to form genuine emotional attachments. Again, that goes back to the, I don't really know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. And may love people in their own way. That's just dichotomy that I cannot put together. They love people their own way. So, it, again, after watching the Dahmer, I kind of get it, though. Okay, so explain that to me. How can you love people? your own way so and not care and that's just hard for me so he i i believe that he loved his dad and his grandmother um because it provided some sort of emotional support however he it didn't go to that like i really care for you i really want to protect you type form it's very just like superficial or i won't kill you yeah i'll kill that other person than mm-hmm. I do. Okay. Yeah. So, so then they do have a boundary. <laughs> do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. 
they do have standards. That's what I'm getting at. That's what gets me. You know, it's funny that you say that, though, because as I was doing um, the research for this, it was, um, I read somewhere that says psychopaths want to be like everybody else. They, They want love. And I was like, yeah, I see that they want love, but, and it makes it hard for them to have that love, though, because they don't really know how to emotionally connect to someone. So yeah. they're going to be longing for something that they'll never have. Yeah, I just, I can't wrap myself around that. It's crazy, huh? Yeah. Crazy. It is crazy. Sociopaths. Oh. So, for sociopaths, so traits of a sociopath, research tends to believe that sociopath is a result of environmental factors, such as a child or teen's upbringing in a very negative household that has resulted in physical abuse, emotional abuse, or childhood trauma. Okay, I'm going to stop you. Yes. So if we break down the word socio, sociology, social, that makes sense. Psychopathology or psychopaths, psychology, thinking. thinking, So hot-headed versus cold-hearted. I got it. Okay, thank you. Just want to say for the public out there, I'm just trying to... No. No, that makes it easier to to understand. Uh, Sociopaths in general tend to be more impulsive and erratic in their behavior than their psychopath counterparts. While having difficulty in forming attachments to others, some sociopaths may be able to form an attachment to a like-minded group or person. Unlike psychopaths, most sociopaths don't hold down long-term jobs or present much of a normal family life to the outside world. When a sociopath engages in criminal behavior, they may do so in an impulsive and largely unplanned manner with little regard for the risk or consequences of their actions. They may become agitated and angered easily, sometimes resulting in violent outbursts. These kinds of behaviors increase a sociopath's chance of being apprehended. So, but some of the uh, core traits, again, they do not care how others feel. Um, sociopaths behave in a hot-headed and impulsive way, just like you mentioned. they prone to fits of anger and rage. Again, they're super hot-headed. They recognize what they are doing, but rationalize their behaviors. So then how are we... Okay. So since it's not DSM-5, mm-hmm. and we are talking about it because pop culture uses it, then somebody comes in your office, mm-hmm. and we, we're thinking of antisocial conduct, disruptive... Yeah. So when we look at these sociopaths, Mm -hmm. then we look at disruptive behavior, right? They're impulsive. So it goes more in line with that DSM-5 was what I was referring to, correct? Yeah. So in order for us to diagnose someone with antisocial, they have to meet those criteria, right? Yes. With sociopaths and psychopaths, they... These are more of like a displays of how they perform and emotional displays and mm-hmm. physical displays compared to the actual criteria, I guess. I don't know if that, that makes any sense whatsoever. Well, I want to simplify it more for those, the listeners out mm-hmm. there. So, um, especially if we have children that come in first with us that are yeah. school-based, right? So then we start looking at those behaviors that, that represent the ages of zero, I mean... Zero, uh, 7 to 15, right? Mm-hmm. For disruptive behavior, then we have to look at the DSM for that. What's the yeah. criteria, right? And so the ages of that. When we go for teenagers that come in, then we look at the criteria of the age and to see if it matches the criteria. Now, what if we have an adult that comes in with sociopathic tendencies? We don't have a DSM 
for that one. No, but uh, again, it, it kind of goes back into this antisocial personality disorder. So what the DSM strongly characterizes in their criteria is the behaviors and the symptoms compared right. to social norms. But then we look at the personality disorders that we have there that's in that grouping, right? That mm-hmm. cluster of, of grouping for DSM. Yeah. So if we get an adult, someone over 18, mm-hmm. and they're like, yeah, something's not right, we can always give them the diagnosis of antisocial, even if we don't know their personal lives, right? Are you mm-hmm. able to maintain that emotional with other people? Because the DSM, you just focuses on the behaviors. Is he callous? Does he have no care for people? Is he harming people? Is he impulsive? Compared to like, are you making those connections with other people? Does that make sense? It does. And I want to make clear that the the listeners are getting the understanding. What yeah. if I have this? Because, you know, if my daughter says, well, I feel this, am I that? I'm like, no, <laughs> no, you're fine. So, yeah. So, the other ones that here they have here for sociopaths is they cannot maintain a regular work and family life and can form emotional attachments, but it's very difficult. So, sociopaths know what they're doing is wrong. They still do it psychopaths believe what they're doing is right and they don't know that it's wrong did you hear that listeners so sociopaths again believe they know so sociopaths know right from wrong they still go ahead and do it they um will just well yeah i killed that bitch because she fucking told me i was fat fuck her give me your heart i'm hungry right compared to a psychopath whereas like again I does I don't think this is wrong. Like this is something that I needed to do. Like it it made me feel good when I did it, so I did it. I don't think it's bad for me to kill this bitch. Got you. Check check. So one knows it's wrong, the other one Good. Love it. Really doesn't. I like how you simplified it. Anything that you found. Well, I wanna talk about the, the killers. I mean I wrote <laughs> I wrote a whole bunch of serial stuff going on now. So those are just um That's again, really interesting. Really brief information as to sociopaths, psychopaths or different characteristics and within our mental health field and the diagnostic criteria, they would fall under the umbrella of it antisocial personality disorder and just to for the listeners out there the criteria is also with the age yeah so just something to look at yeah so again kind of like we mentioned a little earlier before in order for someone to have that criteria of antisocial they have to be 18 and over but have been displaying these characteristics since they were 15 years old mm. um but how could a parent not know do you get what i'm saying how could yes. a parent not know i agree so pa- parenting is so important. However, yes, I kind of feel like we also, as parents, don't want to admit that's happening, right? We don't want to be like, "Yeah, my cu- my my son's a freaking serial killer," or my son well, I think killed ha- seventeen animals, and th- I mean, oh, when they- he was just hunting, learning how to hunt. I think we make as parents, we don't want to see that from our kids, and I think it. It's easier to, you know, sweep it under the rug than to admit that we as parents might have contributed to this. I think once it gets to school and then the school keeps calling them for these behaviors and then other people are noticing and then they send the referral and then they link them like your kid needs to see somebody. I think that's when it's a wake up call. That's the only thing the school would be the only thing. I mean, it should be a wake up call. Yeah. 
I, I agree. It should be a wake-up call. However, would you want to admit it that Lizzie might be a killer? I would have to. I, I'm saying this right now. I would have to address it quickly. I, it's easier said than done, I'm it, sure. It really is. It really is. I mean, it, I don't know. That's a hard one. No. So I just wanted to give <clears throat> a little bit of numbers before we got into oh, that. I love it. Um, statistics? Or a you little bit oh, of statistics. Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to put out there the number percentage of people who have these traits. Yes. About 1.2% of the U.S. adult men mm. and 0.3% to 0.7% of U.S. adult women are considered to have clinically significant levels of psychopathic traits. You know what? I read the same thing. Really? Did you get it from Frontiers of Psychology? No, I got this from the American Psychological Association website. Oh, that's, even, that's good. They were saying 1.2% of the adult population has yeah. psychopathy. Isn't yeah. that interesting? Yeah. Um, those numbers rise exponentially in mm. prison, where there's 15% to 25% of inmates show these characteristics. So here's the question, though. Yeah. This percentage is because it's never been diagnosed, or they just were di diagnosed? You see, that's something I would ask. Oh, that's a good question. So if, it's, if they're saying that about 1.2% of adult population, that means that they must have done a crime. And they right? probably and they analyzed got assessed, mm -hmm. And then they diagnosed it, then they reported it. Yeah. So we don't know if it's been going on since childhood, right? Where they had yeah. maybe a mm -hmm. diagnosis unknown that was conduct disorder, right? So that's what that tells me, which tells me then that the parents weren't aware or they minimized it or just no, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. And one thing to, to kind of um, note out there that um, psychopathy spans over socioeconomic status, race, mm -hmm. gender, culture, and those who score high on psychopathic skills ranging from high-function executives to prison inmates. So one of the tests that they always use is the MMPI, mm -hmm. which is a personality test. And I think that would be really interesting. And maybe they did that with them where they have a higher degree of yeah, I psychopath mean, tendencies. I think if it, you could have answered these questions in a research study anywhere, hey, would you take two seconds to fill out this research study? And then just fill it out and you just kept walking, right? And for those of you that don't know what MMPI is, it's a uh, multiple Minnesota multiple personality profile indicator. And it's a test. And if I got that wrong, I'm sorry, because I'm so bad with acronyms. But it's a personality test. Yeah. But I mean, again, this is um, very fascinating. I just, I got into this warm horn. I was like, oh my God. Oh my gosh, I can't stop it. It's better than a book. It's better than watching the Dahmer on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much, Dr. Amo, for being here and thank talking you. with me about psychos it was and fun. sociopaths. And thanks for letting me ask questions as if I was a lay person. And so, being the devil's advocate, I like doing no, that. So, I, thanks I for letting me do that. You challenging me, challenging you in your podcast. I like doing that. <laughs> we had fun. Yes. Well, thank thanks you so much. Thanks for having me. No, thank you.
And thank you to everybody listening. This is a two-part series. Make sure to stay tuned to listen to the second part that will be released in two weeks where we will be discussing famous psychopaths. So stay tuned and thank you so much once again. This was Psyched Tea. Thank you so much for listening. The information provided in this podcast does not constitute therapeutic advice or replace mental health treatment and the relationship with your own therapist. Please make sure to subscribe to this podcast and follow Psyched Tea on Instagram for more content and to keep up with the tea.